Hello, everyone, and welcome in to the Gridiron Glide Solo Pod with Marco Cirillo, brought to you by Fanatics.com, discounts site-wide on all things NFL, PGA, MLB, NHL, and NBA. Click the link below to get discounts site-wide from Fanatics.com. Support your team, and let's get right into it today. We have a good show. Obviously, we have a reaction to Super Bowl 57. What a phenomenal game that was, albeit the field was a slip and slide. We'll get into that because that cannot happen on the game's biggest stage. My favorite guy, Jim Ursay, is back in the news for all the wrong reasons. No surprise there. Uh, we have the Steichen hire over there with the Colts. That interview just happened as of the recording of this podcast. We also have the offseason getting into the full swing of things. We'll be an- analyzing every team top to bottom, seeing exactly who could take the leap next year and who could fall off pre-free agency. Of course, a lot can happen, but the offseason doesn't sleep, football doesn't sleep, and neither do we at Gridiron Goliath. So let's get right into it. I just want to give immediate credit to both of these teams for what was an extremely entertaining football game. Teams don't combine for 73 in the Super Bowl. It just does not happen often. Usually the defenses have the edge early. There's pregame jitters. The offenses take a while to get into their groove. Both of these teams came out with a purpose. Both of them had a game plan. They looked like the teams we watched all season and not teams that were getting their footing after a two-week break. Um, There was no nervousness around these teams. They were just ready to play the football game, and they put on one hell of a show. I mean, Jalen Hurts, all credit to the guy, played one of the best Super Bowl games that you could possibly play. You can't ask your quarterback to do anything else. He outplayed the greatest player on the planet. It just wasn't enough for them to win the game after that miscue on the fumble. And the Chiefs are an an excellent football team. You have to keep your mistakes down to zero to have a shot to beat that team. And the Eagles, as great a game as they played offensively, couldn't stop a nosebleed when the Chiefs did have the ball, particularly in the second half. And you can't have fumbles returned for TDs. You can't have drops by Quez Watkins. You can't have Miles Sanders not even show up and just show the jitters from the very first play where he fumbled the ball. And ultimately, whatever your opinion is on the call, James Bradbury said himself that you cannot tug a jersey on third and long two minutes left in the Super Bowl. You can't do that. So awesome football game. Great performance by both teams. The Chiefs were just slightly better. And it comes down to exactly what we said earlier in the week. Better coach and better quarterback, although Jalen Hurts did outplay Mahomes for the majority of that game, better coach and better quarterback ultimately won the game, particularly better coach. As far as legacy goes, this doesn't hurt Jalen Hurts in the slightest. If anything, I think this gave him a monstrous extension from the Eagles. I don't know how you look at that game and say you don't have your guy. He did everything that you could do in a Super Bowl to win that game. The Chiefs just did a little more. Nick Sirianni doesn't really hurt him either. 
I'm not a fan of his attitude, but he's a good football coach, and that did show up. As far as Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid is a top five coach all time. I don't even think it's up for debate at this point. The guy lives in championship games. He's now been to four Super Bowls, has won two of them. His offenses are top five consistently every single year. He lives in double-digit wins. He is easily a top five coach of all time. He should be a first ballot Hall of Famer when he's eligible. And he's not stopping anytime soon. He has made that clear. He loves doing this. He lives for football. And we love watching him coach football because it's innovative, it's fun, it's different every week. He now has the personnel to where it can be constantly. And he's a delight to watch coach the game. He loves it, he lives it, he breathes it, and it shows with what his team does on the field. Steve Spagnolo, got to give him a quick shout out. While the defense did not perform at a ridiculously high level... They still made the stops when they needed to. They still had that fumble return. And ultimately, the guy might, he might be the most decorated defensive coordinator ever. I know he didn't hack it as a head coach, but not everybody is built for that. Not everyone is a head coach. He goes down as one of the best coordinators you could possibly have, though. This is now his third Super Bowl win. One with the Giants in 2007, which may have been the best defensive game plan I've ever seen. Then in 2019 and 2022, now with the Chiefs. Excellent coordinator. He needs to get his flowers. It needs to be talked about how valuable Steve Spagnuolo is. And then Patrick Mahomes, we could go talking about that until we're blue in the face. He is by far the best quarterback in football right now. There's not even a close second. No disrespect to Burrow. Um, A little disrespect to Allen. I don't think you can lead the league in turnovers, beat up your body like this, and consistently be great. Burrow's the only one that I can even think of that might be in almost the same tier. And it's very clear the disparity. Justin Herbert, uber-talented, but at some point you have to win football games. That's just the nature of the quarterback position. I don't agree with QB win-loss records, all that, but it does get discussed. People do look at it and care about it. Patrick Mahomes wins games. Justin Herbert doesn't. There's no one that you look at around football that you can even put in the same tier as this guy. It's Mahomes, then everybody else. As far as being the greatest of all time, let's pump the brakes. He is already top 10 might even be top five the talent is top one or two maybe three him Aaron Rodgers Dan Marino I all put in that grouping but we have to stop on greatest of all time until you have a full body of work for all we know he goes on to win five more Super Bowls and then yeah he probably is the greatest of all time Or he never sees another one again, which we've seen great players do. There's just too much that can happen. He is a bona fide Hall of Famer. He could retire today and he'd be first ballot. Two MVPs, two Super Bowl wins, two Super Bowl MVPs. Yeah, you're in. You are 100% a Hall of Famer with his winning percentage, which again, I think is a dumb stat. But 
the amount of TDs. He's had the best career we've ever seen anybody have by the age of 27. It's not close. He's a Hall of Famer today, and he's only 27 years old. I'm looking forward to seeing what Patrick Mahomes does for the rest of his career. I think he's the only quarterback in that top tier of being paid that can still be consistently successful because of how difficult it is to build a roster once they're no longer on a rookie contract. I just absolutely love watching the guy play football. I think everybody does. Even the haters love watching him play because there's no way you can't. He does something magical every single week. It never fails. And yeah, say what you want. The high ankle sprain should have been healed. He was being dramatic. You're a hater. The guy on one leg is the best quarterback in football. It's not even up for debate. Good for Patrick Mahomes. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. It was a fun season in 2022. But here we don't stop. The Super Bowl happened the day after it's 2023. And the first thing that I'd like to talk about this offseason is the hiring of Shane Steichen to be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts and the idiotic, ridiculous, mind-numbing comments of Jim Ursay immediately after. Shane Steichen looks like a really nice guy, by the way. And I think that was a great hiring by the Colts. Not to give Ursay credit because I refuse to, but it's a good hiring by the Colts. Jim Ursay essentially putting his GM in a position where now he has to trade for the number one overall pick. Chicago might just own the Colts draft for the next three years. I really liked that kid out of Alabama. Actual quote by Jim Ursay during the press conference. I really like that kid out of Alabama. We have to get him. Okay, so... Now Brian Poles is going to call Chris Ballard and say, hey, I know that your owner wants this pick. Trade me everything. I own your next three drafts. And Chris Ballard has to do it. Just, I've never seen an owner, say for maybe Jerry Jones, get in their own way so often. I mean, try to get in the team's way. It makes me angry. The Colts make me angry. And I'm a Giants fan. It's not like I'm biased against the Colts. I just cannot stand Jim Irsay. I think he is the most idiotic, egotistical, numbskulled owner in sports besides James Dolan. The guy does not get it. He needs to be the center of attention. It shows painfully. And now... Your GM doesn't have a chance. He has to trade the form to the Bears. This is a great day to be a Bears fan. I just, I don't want to touch on it too much because it genuinely makes me angry. But Jim Ursay just is the worst. The worst. I feel bad for the fans of that organization. I feel bad for Bryce Young for having to go to that organization. And I feel great for the Chicago Bears for getting to exploit them. Jim Irsay, you are the worst. So the last head coaching vacancy that remains is the Arizona Cardinals. It's reported that right now the front runner, right above Luana Rumo and Mike Kafka, 
is Jonathan Gannon, the defense coordinator from the Eagles. One common theme that I will always discuss on this pod, in my articles, everywhere, is that coaching is the number two component. You need the quarterback. That's one. Coaching is right there at number two. Losing two coordinators is a big, big deal for the Eagles. Having to re-up on both of them would be a gigantic loss. That'll fall under the radar because the roster will still be talented. Jalen Hurts will be extended. Nick Sirianni's still there. But losing both of your coordinators, having to implement a slightly new offense, maybe a slightly different defense, those come with those changes come with growing pains. And to have to completely regroup your two main assistant coaches in the offseason right after the Super Bowl is a tall order. That's a big ask to come back from that Super Bowl hangover and not have the same staff in place. So I think that might fall under the radar a bit, especially if Jonathan Gannon does end up getting the Arizona coaching job. Definitely something to watch. It could be very good news for both the Bengals and Giants because Mike Kafka and Luan Aruma are both extremely instrumental in the success of those two teams. So we'll see what happens there. That Arizona job actually ends up becoming a big deal for potentially four teams should Jonathan Gannon win that job. So we'll keep an eye on that. Nothing to touch on, though, until they actually make a decision, but I wanted to briefly discuss that. I think the Eagles are... I don't think they'll suffer mightily, but... They could be very vulnerable early in the season, and we've seen that snowball before. So, interesting to see who gets that job. I hope it's Jonathan Gannon. I would like the Giants to retain Kafka, and I think the Bengals having one more run with Anaruma would be very beneficial for them as well. So, we'll go from there. So, I want to focus mainly on the quarterback position right now in terms of free agents. This might be the strongest group of quarterbacks to be on the free agent market, maybe ever. Good quarterbacks are very difficult to get from another team, let alone for free. Now, while I expect a lot of them to sign back, we'll take it on a player-by-player basis, it's still worth noting that these guys do not have to sign contracts with the teams that they're currently on. Some of them we already know won't. And there could be major bidding wars going on around the league for, from teams like the Jets, uh, the Saints, that really just need league average QB play to be pretty competitive teams. So we'll jump right into it. Obviously, the number one free agent QB is Lamar Jackson. The report that he is $100 million in guaranteed money apart from the Ravens leads me to believe that they're going to have to franchise tag him and try to sign him later down the road. I don't think he ever hits the open market, but a tag and trade is not out of the realm of possibility here because somebody will give him that guaranteed money. And I think the Ravens, quite honestly, and I like Lamar as a player, but I think the Ravens are very smart to not give him that money. He had durability concerns this year. He's a running quarterback. 
His arm is not the best in the world. It's good enough, but he's not. he'll never transition to a pocket passer, and the injuries will start to pile up. So if you're a hundred million in guaranteed money, that's not even contract money. Guaranteed contract money apart. I don't know if there's a way to remedy that situation fully. So something to keep an eye on. The Ravens won't just let him hit the open market. They will try to tag him and continue to negotiate. But a tag and trade is not out of the realm of possibility there. That'll be one of the more interesting situations to watch throughout the offseason. Not to mention the strain on the salary cap that putting that franchise tag on a quarterback does to your budget while you're trying to improve the team and sign free agents. It's a bad situation for Baltimore. So we'll have to see what happens there with Lamar. Um, I, he'd have potential suitors all over the league if he did hit the open market. I just don't view that as a reasonable possibility. Um, I can think of several teams that would be willing to trade picks for Lamar after watching what happened with Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson last year. I don't recommend it, but we can see that happen, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. So Lamar, definitely somebody to keep an eye on there. Derek Carr, as announced on Super Bowl Sunday, will not accept any trade that the Raiders come up with. They are set to release him at some point today officially. So Derek Carr, to me, is probably the top name that is guaranteed to hit the open market. Um, Jimmy G's up there, too. That's another one that's guaranteed. And I'd like to point out, I'm very excited for both of these guys. Um, they've never really had the full option to choose where they want to be. And while they're not amazing quarterbacks, they both have top 12 to 16 potential. You put them on a competitor, look what Jimmy G was able to do with a competitive roster. People were trying to slip him into their top 10. It was foolish because he's playing with all pros everywhere, but still... Jimmy Garoppolo is a good enough quarterback to where if the team's in place, he can get you to win some football games. So Jimmy Garoppolo, super excited to see him guaranteed on the open market. He deserves it. The 49ers have kind of beaten him up the past couple of years, uh, made it a point that they don't really want him to be there and then expect him to save the day anyway. Very excited for him to get out of there. And Derek Carr was just straight up scapegoated by the Raiders. Now, do you need to put up more than 24 touchdowns to 12 interceptions with Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller? Granted, these guys were in and out of the lineup, save for Devontae. Do you need to put up better numbers than that? Of course. But Derek Carr isn't a bad quarterback. He wasn't the problem, and he's certainly better than Jarrett Stidham. So that last smack in the mouth, I think, is what's making him say, I'm going to prioritize what I need over what the Raiders need. I'm happy that he's doing it. I think that we could definitely see him sign with a competitor. I think the Jets will certainly be up there for his services. Um, I think he could still end up signing with the Saints, even though he turned down the trade there. There are a few options. I'm interested to see where he goes, but it's exciting for those two guys that they get to be on the open market guaranteed. And if the rest of these guys end up re-signing with their teams... They'll be the top guys on the open market, so they could command some serious money as well. 
Next up, we have Daniel Jones. Now, I know people are saying Daniel Jones, it's not a big deal. If you don't think that Daniel Jones hitting the open market would instantly be a big deal for at least 20 teams in the NFL, you're simply wrong. You didn't watch the guy this year. You have preconceived notions. It's fine. Daniel Jones, in a good situation, would be a game changer for some of these teams. There are several teams that I can think of off the top of my, the Ravens. If they had Daniel Jones instead of Lamar Jackson hurt this year, they're contending for that division. Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. He has all the tools. He made it work this year with no weapons whatsoever. They won plenty of games. And don't give me Saquon Barkley is a weapon. Okay, you know what I mean. Running backs don't matter. And we'll get into that. Running backs do not matter. So, Daniel Jones with virtually no weapons whatsoever and the worst interior O-line in football led a Giants team that is talent depleted to the playoffs. This is a good quarterback, and if the Giants don't pay him, somebody will. I don't believe the franchise tag is an option here because I think they're going to have to end up using that on Saquon Barkley. Personally, I'm not a fan of that, but... I believe that's what they'll have to do. So you have to come up with an extension for Daniel Jones before he can hit the open market in March. I believe that they will. They uh, Joe Shane openly said, we want Daniel Jones back here to be the quarterback of this team. I believe that he will be. But if he did hit the open market, he's instantly the hottest option on the open market, save for Lamar Jackson, who again, I believe will be tagged and then possibly traded. We'll have to monitor that. But Daniel Jones, outside of Lamar Jackson, is the best free agent option at quarterback. So something to watch. The Giants need to get an agreement done there quickly. Um, It's easy to play Monday morning quarterback. I wish they had picked up his fifth-year option. I understand why they didn't at the time. And at the time, I thought that was a prudent move. It just so happens that Daniel Jones outplayed it. Which... All respect in the world to him. I hope the Giants retain Daniel Jones. I know there are Giants fans that don't want to pay him $30 million a year. Guys, that's a discount for a quarterback. That is a discount for a franchise quarterback in today's league. And many people, as we've seen on all of the national media circus, would struggle to name 10 guys that they would rather have as their quarterback today than Daniel Jones. That is a necessary re-signing for the Giants. If it doesn't happen, he'll be the hottest name on the free agent market at quarterback. And then Geno Smith, we're writing you back. He was phenomenal this year, and it showed on film. The guy's ball came out picture perfect. He was the most accurate passer in football. I genuinely believe the Seahawks will re-sign him. If not, they'll have the space to franchise and sign him later. I think the locker room absolutely loves him. You can see it in all the post-game interviews with Lockett, Metcalf going in there, making sure to have his back, kind of throwing shade at Russell at the same time. But Geno Smith was fantastic this year. He absolutely deserved comeback player of the year. Again, I'm going to have Giants fans upset with me. Saquon didn't deserve it. Geno Smith deserved it. That's a fact. So 
good on Geno Smith. I believe Seattle will resign him. That's my prediction. I don't think he'll see the free agent market, so I'm not going to touch too much on him because I don't see it as a likely outcome. But he will command some money after the season he had and after a decade in the league, really just kind of eating it. He deserves to finally have a payday. Good for Geno Smith. That locker room seems to love him, and I think he keeps Seattle competitive. He played quarterback at a very high level this year, and they should only get better. Seattle is supposed to be rebuilding this year. They made the playoffs because of Geno Smith's play, largely. So we'll see what happens there. They had an excellent draft. I have no doubt that that continues, and I think the Seahawks will be competitive again because of that. This just in, not to break off topic, but I am recording this without stopping, and it just did pop up from Ian Rappaport that the Cardinals are officially targeting Jonathan Gannon as their new head coach. Huge news for the Giants, who retain Mike Kafka. Huge news for the Bengals, who retain Luana Rumo. And huge news for the Eagles, who now have to find two coordinators after losing the Super Bowl. That's brutal. It has been a rough three days for the Eagles. I do like that the Cardinals went defensive as far as their next head coach. I think that's the only way that they're going to be competitive this year with Kyler Murray recovering the entire season, essentially. So right move for the Cardinals to have a guy that will be able to keep them in games. Now, his staff hirings are going to be very important. We'll see if he pulls more people away from the Eagles as coordinators who become head coaches sometimes do. That'll be interesting. The Eagles could have a real coaching crisis on their hands. So we'll be watching that. But breaking news as we're recording the pod, Jonathan Gannon, the expected target of the Cardinals. I imagine they'll get it done sooner rather than later. It has been an interesting head coaching cycle. Uh, Just to recap, Jonathan Gannon to the Cardinals. D'Amico Ryans to the Texans, love that move. Frank Reich to the Panthers. Sean Payton to the Broncos, we went over that whole thing. Shane Steichen to the Colts. That is the official head coaching cycle of the 2023 offseason, finally completed. Now we can move forward, start talking free agency again. But back to the quarterbacks, if I had to rank The QBs that could be free agents this year could be. You know who I think will be and won't. But all the potential free agent QBs, it'd be Lamar Jackson 1, Daniel Jones 2, probably Geno Smith 3, Jimmy Garoppolo 4, Derek Carr 5. But I don't believe that those first three will hit free agency. And of course, there's the wild card of Aaron Rodgers, who we will see when he removes himself from the darkness. It's reported, I think he's in the darkness now. So whenever he gets out of the darkness, we'll figure out what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Moving on to running backs. I want to start this by saying, and I will say it publicly, I will say it privately, I'll say it before I go to sleep at night, and I'll say it when I wake up in the morning. Running back is the least important position in football. And this shouldn't be controversial. Yet people find it controversial. It shouldn't be. If you look at the last several teams to win the Super Bowl and their leading rushers in those games, it's so inconsequential. They're not getting paid anything. 
The leading rushers in the Super Bowl aren't getting paid anything. Isaiah Pacheco, $870,000. Cam Akers, $890,000. Leonard Fournette, $2 million. Damian Williams, $1 million. The highest paid one in the last 14 years is Percy Harvin, who led rushing for the Seahawks in 2013. And he's a receiver. The highest paid running back is Leonard Fournette and Ray Rice, both at $2 million. You do not win football games paying running backs these premium contracts. And you certainly don't win championships doing it. I don't even think that free agent running backs should be signed. I don't think teams should sign free agent running backs. It's a dying position. Its value is minimal. You could argue that maybe Christian McCaffrey was worth the money and worth the trade for San Francisco. They still didn't win a championship. And he does everything. He's a receiver. They line him up in the slot. He throws touchdowns. He's blocking. He's doing he he completely transforms an offense. He's not a running back. He's a playmaker. Saquon Barkley, great guy. You love to have him in the locker room. He's a running back that's lost his top-end speed. Josh Jacobs had an awesome year, was a great running back this year. I'm not giving him $10 million a year. There isn't such a thing as a running back that is worth that. Who else is a free agent running back? Tony Pollard, awesome playmaker. You're not getting a contract out of me. Miles Sanders, not getting a contract out of me. Running backs do not deserve to get paid the money that they request. Their value to a team is not significant enough when you could put together a good old line, draft a guy in the sixth round, Isaiah Pacheco, and win the Super Bowl. You don't win a championship with a $10 million running back. I think the only team that won a championship in the past 15 years with a running back on a premium contract was the Seattle Seahawks in 2013 with Marshawn Lynch. They got lucky that their whole defense was on rookie contracts. Their quarterback was on a rookie contract. And by the way, Lynch didn't even lead them in rushing in that game. A receiver did. I just cannot justify it. There is no metric that justifies having a running back making that much money. No running back is worth it. Devin Singletary, David Montgomery, no. You could be an outstanding running back and you're not worth that money. Absolutely outstanding. You're not worth making $10 million a year because your team is not winning a championship with you making that money. It's just not going to happen. And the Giants will retain Saquon Barkley. They'll come to an agreement. They'll pay him $10 million a year and they'll struggle to build the rest of the roster out when they have real deficiencies that they need to fill. Same with the Vegas Raiders, likely. They'll most likely retain Josh Jacobs. And that is a detriment to a roster. Paying a running back does nothing. to Look at the Cowboys. Could you imagine if the Cowboys didn't have to get rid of Amari Cooper because of the Ezekiel Elliott contract? You could argue that they're playing in the NFC Championship against the Eagles, and you could argue that they could win that game. If they didn't have the Ezekiel Elliott contract. But they did. And the value that Zeke brings to the team. 
at this point in his career doesn't warrant the money that he's getting paid. And it's not really even a discussion. Everybody agrees on that. And run, by the way, haven't even brought up the fact that running backs age worse than any position in football. So not only are you taking a huge cap hit, you're aging immediately. You're making it difficult to build out the rest of the team. And it's not the player's fault. It's the position. They should not get paid by competent general managers. That's my rant on running backs. I'm not even going to go into details of the free agent running backs because I don't think any team should sign any running back ever. To me, running back is a draft-only position. That is it. Free agent running backs should be signed for depth if you need to have a depth piece there. That is it. You should never pay a premium for a running back. And I could talk about it until I'm blue in the face. I probably already am. I'm not looking at a camera, so I'm probably already blue in the face. Don't sign a running back, ever. And I'll be putting out another podcast this week, likely on Thursday, discussing the rest of the offensive positions, heading into free agency, who's available, who I think will be signed back by their teams, etc., etc. But we're going to finish today with the receiver position. And I got to say, this is probably the weakest crop of free agent receivers that I've ever seen. There is no one on there that jumps out to you. I think the top free agent option at the position is Jacoby Myers, who you can hope can make that Christian Kirk type leap on the right offense. Um, I don't think that he's a dynamic playmaker. I think he's a very good possession receiver. He has good hands. He runs crisp routes. But there's no special top-end speed, no spectacular catches. That's not really his game. A good player that I think could thrive in the right situation, but not somebody I'm overly optimistic about. But let's talk about this for a second because we talked about the value of a running back. Receivers should get paid all the money that they get and more. You look at all the teams that have been absolutely transformed by getting top-end talents at receiver, that's a position that's worth its weight in gold. It's the exact antithesis of the running back position. They're injured far less, they age much slower, and they can completely transform your team. Receiver is the exact opposite of running back. It is crucial. It's vital. You need to have weapons that you could throw the ball to in today's NFL. And I don't think that's up for debate. I think everybody agrees on that. But just to touch on it, because I went on the whole running back rant. Going back to receivers, though, that are available, you have Michael Thomas out of New Orleans, who, yes, could absolutely be huge for a team if he wants to play football one, And if he can stay on the field, too, I've just never seen such a talented guy not really have the desire to play the game. And that's what it seems like. He missed the entire season because of a toe. That's just a guy that doesn't want to be on the field. He missed two full seasons because of an ankle. So an incredibly talented guy, maybe his spark returns if he goes to the right situation. It remains to be seen. I'd like to see that happen because he is fun to watch play football and he is a dynamic playmaker, but it's not somebody that you get too excited about just because of his history. 
which also happens to include the most catches in a single season ever. So we'll see what happens with Michael Thomas. I would like to see him continue to play football. He's still only 29 years old, which for a receiver is an ancient. So would like to see him make a comeback and hopefully impact a team positively. We'll see what happens. He's going to get an offer somewhere. It just depends if he wants to truly be playing football. Um, You have Odell Beckham Jr., which we've seen him be elite. He is the most injury-prone guy you could possibly imagine, though. Coming off another torn ACL that wasn't even close to 70% by the playoffs by his admission. So, I don't know where Odell stands. I don't know if he'll even be fully healthy by the time free agency kicks off. Or if a team's going to be confident enough to sign him. And he might try to hold out for high money. Which just isn't practical. Um, Just another one that there's potential, but it's not relatively exciting. Juju Smith-Schuster, I think, is probably the best one on the board. He's still only 26 years old, guys. And he has still shown the ability to make plays. Um, I think he'd do better as a number two on an offense that already has a very solid number one. I think he'd be a great fit for the Bills if they decided to go that route. But that's pretty much it for Juju. I think he could be a really good complimentary piece. Mecole Hardman is on the board. I think Mecole's always been overrated. I think the only reason that his name is even known is because he plays for the Chiefs with Patrick. Um, not much more to say on Mecole Hardman. Nothing to get excited about there. Same with Alan Lazard. Let's just keep going through the list here. DJ Chark, I actually like a lot. And I think he's going to fall under the radar and sign a pretty team-friendly deal wherever he does go. DJ Chark's a very talented guy, and he's still only 26 years old. If there's one guy I look at where I'm like, that's an underrated signing that could pay dividends, it's probably Chark. Chark had an amazing season with Blake Bortles. I mean, this is a guy that can play solid football. He played solid ball with Gardner Minshew. And he was a good complimentary piece in Detroit this year, too. So we'll see what happens with that. He'll get paid by somebody. I don't know how much, but he'll see some money and he'll probably produce for a team. Jarvis Landry. Eh. We know what he is. Fine possession guy. That can still kind of run routes well. That got buried on a New Orleans team with no talent at the position outside of Olave. Not thrilled about that one. Darius Slayton could play well for a team if he could fix his yips. Um, The guy drops the football way too often, but he does get solid separation. He runs one of the nicest whip routes you've ever seen. He can take guys deep. I mean, there's talent there, but he just drops the ball too much. Maybe if he goes to a smaller market can just work on his hands all offseason. He could be a good signing for a team, but not crazy high upside. And then you have Olamide, Zacchaeus, Paris Campbell. I mean, it's weak, guys. It's a very, very weak receiver class. But we'll see what happens. I wouldn't be shocked to see Devontae Adams demand another trade. DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is a must-trade candidate. Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, a little less likely, but if their salary demands are too high for their teams to retain them, I could see both of them as trade targets. 
But I think that's where you're going to see your big receiver moves this year because there just aren't that many appealing free agents. Um, maybe Cooper Cup wants to get traded from the Rams because they're in a rebuild now. There are options out there from the trade market that you could potentially see some movement. But that's more or less it. Uh, big receiver moves are going to be trades this year. The free agent class is weak. It only gets weaker the more that you look at it at the receiver position. Which it's ironic after my whole tirade that the running back position, the names on it, are actually very strong for this free agent class. It's just a useless position to spend big money on. That's the quandary with running backs. I wish the receiver market and the running back market were flipped because that's when it gets exciting. That's when you see teams change is when they sign a big receiver that opens it up for a quarterback. The running back signings, I'm going to be cringing at the entire offseason because they just don't benefit a team the way that people expect it to. When, let's put it this way. When's the last time a team acquired a running back or extended a running back and somebody was excited about it, save for Christian McCaffrey, who, again, is just the ultimate playmaker with the title running back? Maybe Derrick Henry... And that's only because the Titans run their entire offense through him. Which, yeah, I guess if you're going to pay a running back, a low-level position, a ton of money, you better be giving them 25, 30 carries a game, and they better be able to hold that load. And Derrick Henry has proven that even at his size, physical freak, his body is still susceptible to these injuries from all these touches. And they were smart with how they contracted it because his contract is done after 2023. So that was the one signing where I'm like, okay, that makes sense because they run their whole offense through him because he's a freak. No other running back in the league is Derrick Henry. He's the ultimate every man's running back. That's who you want as a running back if you're going to run the ball 30 times a game. And that's the only time you should pay a running back. And I'm done belaboring it. The last thing I want to touch on real quick is just the slip and slide conditions of that field in the Super Bowl. That can't happen. I mean, just watching the All-22 of it, it's every single play somebody is just tripping on a logo. I don't think it was the sod, by the way. I think it was the paint. I don't know what the hell they did. Maybe they didn't give it enough time to dry. That cannot happen on the biggest stage. You can't have it look like a 90s infomercial. It was rough. That is a really hard playing surface, and I'm amazed that it didn't impact more huge plays. That was very fortunate for the NFL. That's unacceptable. That can never happen again. You can't spend 800 grand on a field and have that be the result. That was atrocious. Uh, my God. So hopefully that doesn't happen ever again. I hope you guys enjoyed today's pod. Remember to like, subscribe, comment. Always up for debate with you guys. Today's was fun. There'll be another one out on Thursday. We'll be putting out content all offseason, so stay tuned. Subscribe, like, comment. Looking forward to speaking to you guys soon. Have a great day.